Hi, this is Larry Hama, and you're listening to Star Joe's Podcast. From days of long ago, from uncharted regions of the universe, comes a legend. Star Joe's Podcast, episode 93. Heard that on a cartoon once. I'm your host, Ryan. And I'm Chuck. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, I've heard a lot of things on cartoons once or twice, so... I watch a lot of cartoons. I do. I do. Well, uh, in fact, the other day, my wife and I uh, were giving each other a challenge with uh, YouTube cartoon intros. Uh, She would play just a little bit of a cartoon intro, and she would see if I could guess what cartoon it was from. And she uh, shook her head, not because I couldn't get any, but because I seem to know way too many of them. Okay. Yeah, I would be right there with you if we're playing cartoon trivia. Maybe that should be one of our contests. We'll uh, play some cartoon theme songs and see who can guess the most of them or something. I'll work on that. I'll work on that. All right. Yeah. yeah. So that means uh, never. Right. Never. It'll never happen. Yeah. We'll never do that. Um, so it's a good idea, though. It's a really good idea. Idea. <laughs> so maybe one day I'll actually do it because we know that's when things get done. Ah, uh, shut up. <laughs> um. So, anyways, what have you been up to? What's what's been going on? What's the haps? What's the haps? <laughs> uh, well, uh, we're getting pretty much uh, you know, finishing up the move here, unpacking most of the boxes and stuff like that, and uh so i got that i'm dealing with that for the most part it, the weather sucks balls here it's snowing like crazy it's cold out um yeah you're doing a little work overtime at work you know putting a little bit more hours trying to make some more more cash getting ready for joe con uh that's about it that's about you know all i'm doing move what about you the move is why you guys have not gotten a new episode in a while just to let you know yeah, it's it's true. Um, so honest to God, this is all me. It's uh, it's the move. So my bad, guys. I love you guys, but my bad. Uh, you you can definitely catch me on Guys with Toys podcast though. I'm there. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm saying. So if it's my fault, I've done like three other episodes of Guys with Toys. Oh, that's all I'm saying. 
time for another show, but not for our show. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> it ain't even like that. No, you and well, here's the thing too. You know why you were able to do those other shows? The or the other show? Because Roger's available and you're not. No. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. What what is it then? It's because for that show you don't have to actually put any work and read anything. For this one, you actually had to read comics, and I was waiting for your ass to finish and get caught up. True story. Very true story. I'm not gonna lie about it. That's a true story. Um, some of the comics that I've uh, that we're going to cover today in today's show were actually packed in boxes, and I had to unpack them from my short boxes and uh, read them really quick. And Ryan gave me some, and I didn't have time to read them. I know you guys don't want to hear it, but blah blah blah. It got done for the most part. There's a couple that we're not going to cover that are totally my fault. It's a uh, two Ninja Turtle two Ninja Turtle books and two uh, Transformer Regeneration books. That's on me, guys. My bad. Hey, Chuck's going to take one for the team this time. My bad. Chuck should take it always for the team. <laughs> All right, then. As far as me, uh, no, things have been good. I've finally got my feet under me as far as this whole manager job now. Um, my team's kicking butt, so that's always awesome. Uh, and uh, went to go see uh, – I know this has already been a sore subject on the forums and in between you and me, but went, guy had a chance to go see uh, They Might Be Giants in concert. Chuck has no idea who, who the fuck they who? But it's all right. Who are they? Who are those guys? Somebody everybody knows but you. So obviously. <laughs> well, I, I know the Bloodhound Gang. Okay, but you don't know they might be giants. It's all right. The way hey, I, the way I know I know Falco. The, the way I know they might be, the way I first knew of they might be giants was when I was a kid and they actually used some of their songs for like some Tiny Tunes videos or something like that, and then. The best way I can describe They Might Be Giants is they were bare naked ladies before bare naked ladies were around. Yeah, they're like bare naked ladies with no talent. No, they have talent. No, bare naked ladies made it big because I fucking heard of them, Ryan. <laughs> no, trust me. They They Might Be Giants is why just So that is why you think that they're nobody. So Well, I don't know what the fuck you just said because you cut out a little bit there, but I'm gonna interpret that as an insult. Check check the forums. Check with our listeners who will give you feedback from this episode for the fact. No, no, I've heard the songs. Don't get me wrong. Once you mentioned Particle Man, I, I know I heard that on some kind of Sesame Street bullshit once or twice. So I know what the fuck you're talking about. Maybe it was Electric Company. My bad. I'm not exactly sure. I was a kid, but I, I've heard of the songs. I just didn't know the band who sang them. You weren't around back then when you would have been listening to or watching Sesame Street or Electric Company. I, I watch them daily, Ryan. What are you talking about? They didn't show up till the mid '80s. <laughs> I watch Sesame Street daily now. What are, What are you talking about? Oh, you watch it now, and it has nothing to do with your kids. <laughs> it's just Lazinga. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I uh, had that. Uh, I feel like there was something other, something else big that happened too. But um, well, I did have uh, my mailbox got ran over today. Uh, nice. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> Uh, very good about it. He's going to uh, come by tomorrow and actually like prop it up with like some supports and stuff like that until uh, like you were talking about the weather being so bad until we kind of get some warm weather where you can actually dig into the ground and then he's gonna uh, put a new post in and everything for us. So, so are you ready? For, are you ready for Joe Con? I no. no. All right, it's coming up. Eating comic issues. I haven't had time to get ready for Joe Con. I've been. <laughs> Oh. I've got ready for joke on today is the 21st of March. I'll go back to the curtain a little bit. Star Joe show. That's what I got ready for. So, 
Okay, well, today is the 21st of March, just to peel it back a little bit, like I said. And Joe Con is going to be the first weekend in April. So you've got like two weeks, my friend. Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all, I'm going to have a good time. I'm always ready. I could go tomorrow. I'll be ready for Joe Con. All right. Uh, also, I forgot to mention, I did go with uh, with my friend Nick uh, Wolfman Z on the forums there, a local little uh, comic uh, show, toy show. And uh, not much on the way of toys that I buy. I felt they were kind of overpriced. They wanted, you know, 5 to $10 for a single G.I. Joe with not all the accessories and not the file card. So I, I thought they were a little overpriced on some of the toys and stuff like that. But I did manage a really good deal, I thought. I bought 15 Booster Gold comic books, the old DC run, the old DC dollar a piece. And this is not the old, old Booster Gold. This isn't like the 80s Booster Gold. No, it's right before the new 52. Right. So, in fact, it was part of the uh, Flashpoint. Exactly. That's why I wanted to get it and put it together. I, I read some of it due to Flashpoint, and I read some that you lent me, and I, I really liked it and what, enjoyed it, and I wanted to try to put the whole thing together. Yep, I got the I got the whole run, which thankfully and lucky for you, it's not a very long run, but uh, and it's because of Flashpoint that it wasn't a long run. Right. I think that kind of stopped it. it. It stopped at like 40-some issues, I believe. And I'm hoping it comes back. I'm hoping they, they bring uh, Booster Gold back as a series. I think that would be a smart move, so... Well, yeah, I, I, I hope the same thing. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah, I'm actually planning on, or I'm hoping that when we go to JoeCon that maybe I'll be able to find some of those Joe issues that I've been looking for that will complete a couple collections. I realize they're not big on having a lot of comics there, but I figure if there's any chance for me to fill in those one or two issues that I need of uh, some of the old Devil's Do run, uh, JoeCon would be the place to find them. So Okay. Uh, and we're going to be sharing a room with uh, with Robert Atkins. Yep, friend of the show, Robert Atkins, will be uh, rooming up and bunking with him. And uh, Larry Hamill will be there, so, you know, we can uh, bow before the altar of Hamma once again. Ah, uh, yes. Let us worship at the Temple of Hamma. And we're going to... Uh... Wow. So, anyways, good acoustic. <laughs> Got there. You, li- you like that? Um, so, uh... I was a, I was once a Tibetan monk. Wow. No, I'm lying. I'm lying. I, I, I wasn't a monk. Amongst in bits, um, so anyways, exactly. The uh, but what I was gonna say is we're also gonna be able to meet up with uh, the What's on Joe Mind guys. We've never got to meet them face to face, so no, not in person. So that should be cool. So we can definitely meet up with those guys. I know there's a couple other people that are going. Any other listeners want to give us a, a shout and let us know they're going? You can definitely drop us an email. You can email the show. You can uh, leave us a voicemail message. Let us know you're going to JoeCon if you want to hook up. You know, say hi. That's always fine. I, I'm going to pack my Star Joe's T-shirt, so I'll be wearing that two. one of the days. I'll be wearing it. Every, I have two, so I'll be wearing one each day that I'm there. Nice. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so I was thinking we could have, like, a whole – what is, is it? West Side Story, something with the Sharks versus the whatever. The Jets, dude, the Jets. What the fuck are you talking about? I have never seen it. I've never seen West Side Story. So. Are you fucking kidding me? I was supposed to go last year, and I was uh, – we had tickets, and I was sick. So my wife went without me. She took her money. But you'll, you'll go see no name, no name Band, but you won't go see West Side Story. you go see a no-name band. I went and saw uh, They Might Be Giants. So Yeah, they, they're the Giants. You saw the Giants, but you wouldn't go see West Side Story. I've seen the Giants, too, against the Browns. Um, and then Guess who won? Guess who won that game? Browns, actually, won that game. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Well, it was a Monday night game a couple years ago. But I, I don't think the Browns have ever in their entire life beaten the New York Giants. No, they didn't. <laughs> we have Giants fans in the family, and my wife's side of the family, and we went to the game, and it was a Monday night game, and the Browns beat the Giants. 
and I don't think they won any more games that year, but they won that game. <laughs> and that's all. Well, that's all that's important to the game that you have family at, you know, to rub it in your face. That's all that's important. Exactly, exactly. Um, oh, speaking of, of shows, though, since we mentioned the West Side Story. Speaking of rubbing it in your face. <laughs> since we mentioned the West Side Story, that reminded me of one other thing I did go see, and I know you'll make fun of me for this also, but it's okay, is my wife and I did get uh, tickets to go see uh, Sister Act. Sister Act on stage, not the movie, but the ah, dude. Thing. It was pretty. Dude. No, it wasn't. No, it was pretty good. It, I mean, I, it's, it's not even a good movie, Ryan. Oh, it's I, not. I think it's a funny movie. It's all right. It's not. No. It's all right. I I feel bad that your wife drags you to all this shit, dude. And I like going to this type of stuff. <laughs> it's okay. She's not listening. It's okay. I know you're programmed to say that shit. It's okay. I like going to uh, Broadway shows, and I know you do too. So don't even give me this crap. Don't act like you're all Mr. Macho. I've I've known you to go to Broadway shows. What the fuck, Mr. Macho? I'm just, I'm talking about this, you know, singing the praises of West Side Story here. That's not too macho. Calling <laughs> oh, you out on it. So, <laughs> so, all right, all right. Well, anyways, before we uh, you know, kick this thing off royally here, I want to bring up a sponsor we have. Uh, it's not a new sponsor to the show, but it is Chuck's Cheap Beer Corner. Jesus. So uh, today's uh, Star Joe's podcast is brought to you by Chuck's Cheap Beer Corner. You have no Chuck's idea. Cheap Beer Corner, you're going to love it. You have no idea how glad I am not that I am not in the same room as you, so I can't smell the vial that I smelled last time. <laughs> well, I was feeling, you know, given the snow outside, and I hate it and detest it, I was longing for the sun. <laughs> so I wanted some sunshine in my life. So I'm like, what goes with sun? I'm like, well, the beach, you know, the ocean, whatever. And margaritas. Oh. So our friend, Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light. This is not going to end well. <laughs> this is not going to end well. Uh, Bud Light has a little product out called the Limerita. It's a margarita with a twist. And it's 8% alcohol by volume. Wow. How much do you have there? <laughs> well, I have a 24-ouncer. It's, uh, you know, a couple of big cans here. Um, you have a big cans <laughs> well i wanted to try it out ryan i mean you can't give it one you know you gotta you know gotta go with what's there you know 24 ounces i think you could try just one <laughs> all right well we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna pull the top on this can so you guys got that all right let's uh give this thing a taste and see how good she is i don't know if you have, have ever had it i've never had it uh no nope. light lime arita let's try it out no <laughs> i've never had it nor do i want to have it <laughs> oh oh Oh, it's 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 salty. <laughs> uh, it's not a good sign. Uh, yeah, it's uh it's different, boys and girls. Um, maybe you have to be drunk to, to drink this, but uh, I think most of the stuff in Chuck's Cheap Beer Corner, you have to be drunk to drink it. <laughs> well, hey, you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna give a give it a go, and that's uh Bud Light Lime Arita. Here's the question I have for you. Don't leave summer without it. Here's the question I have for you. I think this is a crucial question. So you have two of them there, right? Well, yeah, but they're I probably probably only drink one <laughs> tonight. <laughs> okay, but if you didn't have work tomorrow, <laughs> would you have? Oh, would you drink? Yeah, I'd, would I'd you, pound them both with a couple shots of shine. Drink both of them? Sure. So vile that you would not drink another one. Well, here's the thing. Once you get past the first vial, when the second vial one goes down, so much easier. But I think that's a good way to rate your beers in Chuck's Cheap Beer Corners, would you actually drink a second can? Oh, well, hey, it's, it's a one-can-only kind of thing, guys. It's a two-can. You could go two cans on this one. Yeah, sure. 
Maybe that's the rating system. I don't know. We'll come up with something. This is only, you only want to go two cans. You can't go three. <laughs> yeah, you go three, you might start, you know, seeing things. Just rate it compared to the last beer. Like, how does it compare to Milwaukee's Best Ice? Is this better or worse than that? It's it's actually a little a little worse, only because of the mixture of the flavor. I'm not used to it yet. I was expecting kind of a beer flavor, and you're not really getting that. You're getting more of a margarita um, flavor with a with some salt. I was gonna say, do you want to put some salt around the the top of the can there? <laughs> no, it's it's there's some salt taste to the the beverage itself there. So sure there is. <laughs> All right. Well, and that's Chuck's cheap beer corner, the folks. So uh, stick around for more episodes, and you'll get more uh, more reviews. You're gonna love it. <laughs> You're gonna love it. All right. Speaking of sponsors, let's go ahead and mention a couple of our real sponsors that actually gave us money. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? This is real. This is legit. I'm drinking this shit. But did you pay me or or yourself <laughs> to be the sponsor? <laughs> Yes. Yes, I did. All right. So anyways, um, we mentioned it the one episode, uh, so I wanted to mention it again. The reason why these guys are our sponsors is because they were very generous in donating for Toys for Tots. Uh, and no, So, again, none of the money went to us, per se, but they were so generous that we wanted to make sure that we recognized them and, and we wanted and, – and their sponsor the, – the things that they, we are uh, having them be our uh, – what the hell am I trying to say? <laughs> Am I, I don't know. Are you drinking the lime marita? Yeah, I've been drinking the lime marita. The reason why we want them as a, putting them out as a sponsor is because we do support the stuff that we are about to go over, which is one is our buddy Chewy has killthecan.org. Chewy, so, this drink's for you, babe. This drink's for you. If you're looking to uh, get off of <laughs> one addiction. <laughs> Man, that's fucking sour, dude. You can really taste the lime in this. I don't want to taste the lime. <laughs> I think, it's made, I think it's made with real lime. Evidently, I'm having a hard enough time talking as it is. <laughs> um, what, what have you got in your mouth? Well, I don't have chewing tobacco, which is what... That's good. That's good. Killthecan.org is all about is helping people get off of chewing tobacco. So uh, Chewy himself is what... what oh, he's six years off? Of, Six-year recover, yeah. So he has, he's been without chewing tobacco for six years, so awesome job there. Um, yeah, it, I mean... I'm not going to lie. It's a disgusting habit. I mean, you're not – I can't stand the spitting and all that type of stuff. So if you do it, sorry that I'm offending you, but it's a freaking disgusting habit. So Yeah, Ryan's a big old girl. Don't like to spit. You're not a freaking cricket, so why you got to spit out tar? I don't fucking get it. So. <laughs> spit out tar. Um, And then the other sponsor – Because I'm not going to swallow it, Bazinga. Oh. What? <laughs> Yeah, I just went there. Is, I'm, a, I'm a half a limerita deep. <laughs> That's another thing, too, is you and I hung out with Chewy and a buddy of ours, Pat, the one day, and I mentioned to you, you are a angry drunk. You like, what the fuck are you talking about, angry? like to think, like, you're mean. <laughs> you're a mean drunk. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell to say of that, mean drunk. Like... I would say one little thing once you were once you had a few in you and you were just like shut the fuck up like not even in a jokey nice way it was like a mean yeah you were you were talking fucking nonsense oh we were just talking <laughs> and then you turned to me like if looks could kill that night <laughs> you, I would have been dead <laughs> and I didn't, oh, I didn't even, my bad dude my bad I didn't even say anything so our other sponsor anyway speaking of saying things. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know where the hell. Let me, let me go ahead and segue to our other sponsor. Uh, Robert Atkins art dot blogspot dot com. It's uh, our buddy again that we mentioned, Robert Atkins. He uh, has a blog spot and he posts a lot of his art right now. He has some uh, like figure templates to kind of give an idea of what he uses as a basis for some of his drawings and, you know, some of the things that he teaches because uh, he actually does teach some, some art classes uh, in comic art. So, uh, so, so check it out. I mean, he constantly is updating with some just absolutely gorgeous art pieces that he does. I mean, for those of you who are familiar with his work, it's, it's well worth checking it out every single day that you can. So, so uh, with that, you want to get into some listener feedback, Chuck? Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. All right, let's go into uh, the Jedi Holocron. All right, so uh, we kind of split things up here this time. <laughs> because we did, we, we did? Yeah, because you weren't going to get it all done. <laughs> well, that's a fucking given. <laughs> so before you're too many sheets to the wind. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm, I'm okay. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you go over some of the questions that we got on the forums there? Oh, I don't think we had any. No, we did. <laughs> are you sure? Bastard, don't make me look these up, too. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I got the bullshit right here. Hang on, hang on. Right. Hang on. All right, hang on. Give me a stall for time. <laughs> hang on. Let me, let me take another drink and stall for time. Hang on. You don't understand. Taking another drink doesn't... Ah. <laughs> if you've ever just sucked a lime, that's exactly what that is. All right. I have a feeling so are good. Be better. <laughs> Speaking of sucking limes, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listener feedback. <laughs> it's salty. All right, our buddy uh, Straight Edge He-Man here on the forums posted a little question, and I'll go ahead and read it. He actually posted two. All right, first question. Uh, you've probably talked about this before, and anyone here can answer, but I'm loving all the building sets, uh, the minifigures in particular that are out now. Everyone seems to be buying the G.I. Joe Creo, and I know Ryan's crazy about building sets. Uh, Mega Bloks having the license for Barbie and Hot Wheels to Mattel brands. Would you guys buy Masters of the Universe building sets, and would you be all in? I, he says he would be all in whoever made it, uh, but Mega Bloks wouldn't be his first choice. But their minifigures are more stylized and do resemble and do not resemble the Lego figures. He'd prefer the Creo style. Uh, their figures look like Lego but have a little bit more articulation. What do you guys think? So thanks for the question. Um, would you be all in for Masters of the Universe, Lego, Creo, Mega Block sets? I would not be all in. You bastard. Your fucking hatred for Masters knows no bounds. No, no, no. I'm not all in on Masters in general, so I couldn't be all in on building sets. But here's the thing. It would really depend on who's doing them, because again, like he's saying, Mega Blocks. I don't know. Uh, well, Mega Blocks did those Smurf sets that are at Toys R Us right now. Yeah, uh, I rest my case. Um, <laughs> well, they're pretty good. They're not. They're not horrible. I mean, the I think Creo's a little bit better, but they're like the next step down. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure. Just because, and it's more so. I'm not bat- trying to badmouth Mega Blocks. It's just I'm not familiar with them. I've never owned a set of Mega Blocks. Uh, block so I don't know how good or bad they actually are. Alright, let's say let's say Lego did it. Lego somehow finagled a license and they were able to do Masters of the Universe. Here's here's what would you buy a Castle Grayskull? Yeah, I was gonna say here's what I would want to get. I would want to get Castle Grayskull, which would probably be a pretty expensive set. 
Um, in fact, I think if they did want to do it smart, they would have like multiple sets that would eventually build a full Castle Grayskull. See, I would do a Castle Grayskull set. I would do maybe a Snake Mountain set, and then you would do the vehicle sets. Like you would do like um, I don't know, maybe a Battle Ram, or you would do a Wind Raider set, or you would do like a maybe a Battle Cat and He Man, you know, minifigs with Grayskull or something like that, or a Sorceress minifig. You throw in a couple of minifigs to go with the vehicles. Maybe I don't know. Do you do an attack track? I don't know. Probably. I mean, if you're going to do Legos, you you go ahead and do all the vehicles you can because that's kind of partially. <laughs> point um but i i personally think what i would do is i i would get castle gray skull i might get a snake mountain and then i would just try to cherry pick uh minifigs off of ebay from people that are trying to sell them from other sets like i i don't think i'd be enticed enough on just a minifig to buy a vehicle that i didn't necessarily want uh, oh that's that was gonna be my question would you buy say uh a, a 25 to 30 dollar set because it had, say, trap jaw and triclops in it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would. It, it just, it, it depends on the vehicle, obviously. Um, but if it was like a wind raider, obviously it wouldn't have those two characters in. It. But let's say it's a wind raider with man at arms and Tila. I might be tempted then because the wind raider is a cool vehicle and and those are two characters I really like. But I, yeah, I think I would just try to buy the minifigs off of eBay of the the characters I would want and just. Right set them up in my Castle Grayskull. Okay, so you, you would definitely cherry-pick that line. Um, I, I think I would cherry-pick it, too, even though I really love Masters. Lego... You gave me a hard time. Well, I'm just saying, here's my reason, though. Lego and Creo are not really what I collect. I do enjoy the little minifigs. Like you said, I would definitely look for those. We've seen those at BaltimoreCon. Some uh, dealer was selling just plain minifigs. Right. They were like five or six bucks a piece. And to me, I mean, I, I would pick them up that way yeah. or try try eBay, you know. Yeah, I'd do the same. I just don't collect, you know, building sets, and I don't display them, and I really don't have extra room right now until I get everything put away to see exactly what I have. And oh, yeah. I don't know if I don't want to – I don't know if I want to add to the collection or if I want to take away from the collection and focus my collecting, you know, attentions to – you know, more streamlined, more narrow things. I don't know if I want to jump out and branch out into something else. Yeah, I mean, I don't have the room, but I did go pretty much all in on the Joe Creo, at least so far. I don't know if I'll continue to be all in, but uh, but the Joe Creo I've really, really enjoyed more so than I thought I would. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much all in on the minifigs on that, the blind bag minifigs. Yeah. Uh, now, I don't have a Jinx. I think that's the only one I don't have, but the Wave 2... They look really cool, and I, I'm really excited for some of those Wave 2 uh, you know, blind bag minifigs from the Creo. Yep, uh, and I actually got all of the sets plus all the minifigs except for the blue Ninja uh, minifig. Uh, it's the only one I just – I had a chance to buy it, and at the time I wasn't going all in, but then I got all the other sets, and I was like, well, that's the one I'm missing, so I might as well go ahead and get him too. Um, but I just haven't found him yet. But uh, yeah, all the vehicles like I'm, I've loved every single set that I've gotten, and the and the prices are actually pretty, uh, very very reasonable, especially when you compare them to Lego sets and stuff like that. So oh yeah, they're definitely a little bit cheaper than Lego, which is really good for the yep. you know my budget. So absolutely. Uh, Straight Edge Man did post a second question, so I'll read that right now. He says, um, now that we're going to see six inch Star Wars figures. Uh, do we want six inch GI Joe? <sighs> I know that's like a fucking loaded question right there. He goes, I, I think it would be pretty cool, but being as cheap as the Joe fans are, I guess it wouldn't sell. And you know, that's, that's a common knock on Joe fans is that Joe fans are notoriously, you know, 
cheap. It's a common truth. <laughs> All right. To an, um, to an extent. There's, to an extent, there's yeah. Exceptions, but uh, but there. I think Joe fans are very smart with their money, and they want they know exactly what they want to spend it on. That's a way of which it could it could be you know construed as being cheap. Right. That's that's a way of saying they're cheap. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It's a nice way. Sure. <laughs> um, six inch GI Joe. I they tried something like that a long time ago. Well, it maybe a little bit more than six inches, but with the Sigma Six. Yeah. Characters they were kind of more stylized, more anime. Uh, didn't really, you know, it sold, but it didn't really sell as, you know, well as, you know, the classic O-ring, you know, three and three quarter, four inch figures. Um, they kind of have a really good deal going with that. The only reason I think Star Wars six inch is really going to take off is because because it's bigger. It's well, it is a bigger franchise. I'm not going to, you know, lie about it. It is a way bigger franchise than GI Joe. Um, but Star Wars. The diehard fans and collectors of Star Wars, they'll pretty much buy anything. Yep. Rightfully so. No. Um. <laughs> uh, I don't. I would probably cherry pick that kind of a line with GI Joe. Yeah. Just because I don't need a six inch, you know, let's say airtight. I, you know, he's not one of my favorite characters. I like him. I'm gonna say nothing, nothing wrong with him. I just probably wouldn't go, you know, all out, you know, whole hog. Right. You know, Balls deep. Yeah, in the, uh, the I'm I'm in the same boat where it's like number one, I would want them to have as detailed sculpting as as we seem to be getting for the black series of Star Wars. Um, again, we haven't seen them yet, so they might not be as detailed as the photos have been showing. But there's been a lot of photos, and people have seen them at at uh, Toy Fair and stuff like that. So. I would think at this point, you know, what we've been seeing is what we're going to be getting. So if they were that detailed of a sculpt, I would definitely be very, very interested in getting them. But just like you said, Chuck, there, I would be more selective about which characters they get. Like I would definitely get a Flint. I would definitely get a Lady J. I mean, granted, it, it depends on what they look like. Um, yeah, if they're really good sculpts and they're really done really well, I mean, I'm definitely going to get the characters I like and enjoy. I would definitely, if they did them now, if they if they did the original thirteen GI Joe members, I I would go all in and do all that. Say for example, would they're you, only going to do the original thirteen. I'm all in. Well, yeah, if they're going to only do the thirteen and that's it, then I I potentially be all in. But the problem is then you know they go oh look at sales are really high and let's do some more. But maybe the sales were really high because they had announced they were only going to do the first thirteen. And that was it. So maybe that would be very clever on their part to announce something like that. Hey, we're all going to do the thirteen. If sales, you know, are good on this, maybe we'll do more. But for right now, it's just the original thirteen members of GI Joe, and we'll we'll take it from there and we'll see how it goes. And see, if I, I would definitely go all in on that, and I would hope they would, you know, do more because there are characters I like outside of the original thirteen, the OG one three. Right. I like, you know, like Shipwreck, like you said. I like Flynn. I like, you know. Yeah. Like Cobra people, I like Firefly, Destro, Scrap Iron, Major Blood. Yeah. All those original characters I like, so I, I would definitely want to see you know some sort of representation of those guys. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to the original thirteen, you know, I would be looking at like probably Snake Eyes, Scarlet, uh, Stalker. <sighs> that might be about it. <laughs> Out of okay, yeah. I mean, I mean, those are the ones that don't really you know they're not typical green shirt, so to say. So I, I get where you're coming from. But I mean, there's, you know, you got characters rock and roll, it'd be awesome to have and stuff like that. And, um, but yeah, and then like a character like Wild Bill, which going back to what Craig was mentioning in an earlier episode that we had with him, you know, do you get Wild Bill knowing that you'll probably never get a dragonfly for that size? And personally, I'd be okay with that because I like the character of Wild Bill. I don't, 
really need. Yeah, well, I mean, he wasn't really one of the original 13, but I understand where you're going with it. If do you get the vehicle drivers knowing they're not ever going to produce vehicles. Right, if they, I'm just saying if they were to keep expanding it after the original 13. Sure. So. Well, it's, it's the same thing with Star Wars. I mean, if they do a TIE fighter pilot, I mean, you're never really guaranteed to get a TIE fighter, but they're doing it right now with Wave 1. They're giving you an X-Wing Luke. My guess is you're never going to get an X-Wing in that sure. size. Sure, you might never. I don't know, but um, they've done large vehicles for, or I shouldn't say large vehicles, but they've done vehicles for 12-inch scale that would probably relate to a large vehicle for a 6-inch scale. I mean, they did a speeder bike for a 12-inch uh, Spiker Scout, so that that speeder bike's probably about the size that you would want a X-Wing to be for a 6-inch figure. So Yeah, sure. So who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I know what you're saying. But to me, I I still would want a tie tie fighter pilot because I think he looks cool. So sure. Uh, All right. And uh, last question here we had here was from our, our buddy Matt that came back, and that's Warden forty three TK on the forums. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, probably a question for an ammo dump episode. But uh, what do you guys think of all the changes on DC's Green Lantern line? As a big fan, I would love to hear Ryan's opinion. Uh, with Jeff Johns leaving, someone that I credit me getting back into the comics, and uh, Joshua Hale, uh, cough. Thank you very much. Pulling out of the Red Lanterns and the Green Lantern Corps yesterday, uh, on the twentieth, because I'm kind of concerned about the strength of the line. So I know you're a big Green Lantern fan. Uh, what's your take on that? Well, uh, I kind of mentioned this to you before, uh, but basically how I how I view it and to keep it short and sweet is that. I love Jeff Johns. I will try books sometimes just because Jeff Johns is, is on it, as long as it's obviously still a subject matter I'm interested in. I would rather someone like him go out on Green Lantern with him saying, you know, I told the stories I wanted to tell, so I'm leaving the title right now, rather than him keep pushing to try to tell stories and then ends up being crap later. It's kind of like, you know, uh, you know, Jordan coming back to play basketball. He wasn't as, he wasn't Jordan anymore. Um, right. And well, just to, not to cut you off, but isn't that kind of what uh, you know Morrison did with Batman? He goes, "I've told the Batman stories that I want to tell, so I'm kind of leaving the book." Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so I, so I totally respect that because, again, I don't want he. I know initially he said he was going to be on it forever, but you know he ran, he told the stories he wanted to tell, so I'm fine with him leaving it. Um, I'm not happy about it, but I'm fine with him leaving it. As far as like Fialkov leaving. Uh, the other two titles, titles of Red Lantern and uh, Green Lantern Corps, he wasn't on them yet, but he was going to be the new writer on them or new creator on them. Um, he's a horror uh, writer, so I don't know how that would have translated. I mean, I'm sure he can write other stuff. I'm not trying to pigeonhole him, but I don't know what he would have done, so I can't really say I'm sad about it. I loved his work on I, Vampire, but... I just don't know what he would have done, so I can't say I'm sad about it. I will say I'm looking forward to somebody else getting on Red Lanterns because that book's been very mediocre uh, since the very beginning. Uh, there's some, uh, been a couple issues I've really liked, but overall, most of the issues have just been eh, and I've been only pretty much buying it because it's a, a Green Lantern-related book. Um, so I'm looking forward to somebody else being on there. Uh, Green Lantern Corps has been an awesome book, so I'm kind of sad to see the creative team leave that. But, you know, again, I don't know what the new person's going to do. And then uh, Green Lantern New Guardians has been an awesome book, too, so I'm kind of curious what a new creative team will do on that. I mean, I'll give them a try, uh, and then we'll just kind of see if the new creative team's 
take them in a direction that I'm still willing to keep reading. Yeah, the only reason I think Red Lantern has lasted as long as it did is because it's like, you know, piggybacking off of the property and the, you know, the fame and the notoriety of Green Lantern. Sure. I, so it's just riding that, it's riding its coattails for a while. Like you said, it's really been mediocre. Yeah. I haven't read it all, but I know you have, and I know other people talk about it, so. And I think it's one of those titles, too, that, and I'll still say it to this day, and when it first came out, I, I felt this way, they should have called that just the Lantern Corps or something like that, and then it, they could have rotated from Red Lanterns to Indigo Lanterns to uh, Orange Lanterns. Like, they're about to come out with a Larflees ongoing series. Not a Larflees miniseries, a, a Larflees ongoing series. And that's another one where I'm like, I'll pick it up and I'll read it, and I, maybe I'll like it, I don't know, but does Larflees really need his own ongoing? Like, like we? I don't think so. I mean, if you want to give him a one, you know, a three, four arc story or one, you know, giant sized issue or something like that. Because somebody's got one story to tell. Yeah. That's fine. Right. But like you were saying, I would rather, uh, earlier, I'd rather see a, uh, a Booster Gold series come out because I feel like that character can actually carry a title. Larflees is just like greedy and he wants everything. Well, that's going to get really old after a while. Same thing with the Red Lanterns. You know, they're angry lanterns. Okay. Well, how long can you carry an, an angry, story going you know like yeah, exactly yeah i i would love to see a booster gold title continued but uh doesn't look like it's in the cards right now so um what who, who do you want you know on green lantern right now being the big green lantern guy who I, are your dream picks um if i had my dream pick of anybody i would love i'd actually love to start seeing some uh i'd love to just take some marvel creators and bring them over no um i honestly wow no honestly because uh I'm fans of some of their other works with DC. Obviously, this isn't going to ever happen, but I, I'd love to see what Snyder would do with, with Green Lantern. Um, I would like to see what Cal Higgins would do with Green Lantern. Um, I think he's a writer that could possibly do something. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's tough to say. Uh, I know they're bringing, I think they're bringing Jim Starlin onto that Threshold book, if I remember right. So, I mean, he's a space cosmic writer so it'd be interesting to see what jim starlin would do with a green lantern title i don't know uh i would say abnett and lanning because they've done a, a great job with uh um cosmic stuff before but i don't know you know where things stand with them in in dc at this point so it, it's tough because i don't know who my dream i mean my dream person was on there it was it was Jeff Johns was the guy that was doing amazing work on Green Lantern. So, you know, I, I, right, right. I can't think of anyone else. And, uh, and I should say also, just because I don't want it uh, not to be recognized at all, some of the other dream people that I would want on Green Lantern were on the other Green Lantern books, and they're leaving also. So it's not like I can just go, okay, well, let's take Tony Bedard or something like that that was on these other Green Lantern books or uh, Doug Monkey that was doing art and stuff and bring them on to the Green Lantern. Like, they were doing Green Lantern and they were doing Green Lantern Core and stuff like that. So you can't really, I don't want to say, well, let's take them because they're leaving also. So Right. Well, only time will tell, so we'll see how it pans out. So was that all the questions from the forums? Yeah, that's the three questions we had from the forums, so thanks for uh, submitting those guys. Keep them coming. We did have some, uh, did have some emails. Uh, so one was from, uh, we had a couple from, uh, Thomas and, uh, I won't, I will save his last name for protecting the innocent, but he said, uh, Hey, star Joe, shout out to Chuck for making this episode. And this was in regards to episode 89. 
Uh, he said, "89." He said, "For making this episode very memorable, Chuck's over-the-top rowdiness had me on the floor laughing." <laughs> with that said, I do have to disagree. Uh, do have a disagreement with Chuck regarding Mirage. Uh, Chuck said Mirage is a useless character, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. I can't speak from for the comics, but for the cartoon continuity, here are two episodes that prove Mirage's worth. And one of them that he mentions is Masquerade, which is where the Autobots uh, impersonate the Stunticons, and Mirage uh, played the part of Dragstrip. Uh yeah, I never saw that one. Said, luckily, thanks to Windcharger's magnetic field and Mirage's illusion projection, the Autobots were able to merge into Menasaur uh, also when they had to face off against Menasaur. Um, and then in More Than Meets the Eye Part 3, after escaping a final battle with the Autobots on Earth, the Decepticons were headed back to Cybertron on their Energon-filled uh, Star Cruiser. Unbeknown to the Decepticons, Mirage, using his invisibility power, snuck aboard the ship. Before the Decepticons could react, Mirage destroyed the ship's controls and caused the ship to crash into the ocean. By doing this, Mirage gave the Autobots their first major victory over the Decepticons on Earth. He said, in conclusion, Mirage is a useful character and a valued member of the Autobots in the cartoon series. I agree. Yeah, but, but not more than Wheelie, right? Way more than Wheelie. No, the other guy liked Wheelie better, so that, that was my argument. i got to stand by it. No, no. Um, totally. Your argument's wrong. Uh, don't worry, this is not the last, <laughs> last you've heard of Mirage in our emails, by the way. Oh, I can't wait. Now I'm anti-Mirage guy. You, you said it yourself. I didn't make you anti-Mirage guy. <laughs> um, so we also got a couple emails about some conventions coming up, so I wanted to make sure to give them a, uh, some shout-outs uh, for those out there that might be interested. Uh, there's an upcoming convention called Mindbenders Clinic that will be taking place in Rapid City, South Dakota on May 18th. Uh, Brian Cummings, the voice of Dr. Mindbender, will be the featured guest speaker. So uh, go ahead and check that out if you are in the Rapid City, South Dakota area. Uh, again, that's on May 18th. Uh, Sounds like fun. And then uh, our buddies over at Denver Comic-Con reached out to us again this year to let us know when their little soiree is going on. I shouldn't say little. It's actually... It's not very little. Yeah, it's pretty big. Damn big. So if you're in the Denver area, uh, it's going to be on May 31st through June 2nd. So you got a three-day con there going on. And uh, they will actually... We won't sadly won't be there, but they do have a podcast peak uh, there where they can actually... Uh, podcasters can actually reach out to them and set up at the Denver Comic-Con. So that's pretty cool. So some of our friends are out there that are podcasters. If you're interested, uh, you can set up a shop there. Uh, we had another email from Thomas. Okay. Said uh, This was in regards to G.I. Joe number one, which we'll actually cover today. Uh, he said, Hi, Star Joes. I would like to thank you for bringing uh, G.I. Joe number one to my attention. For G.I. Joe, I've only watched the 80s cartoon and seen G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra. I'm sorry. Uh, I have never read a G.I. Joe comic in my life. After listening to you two talk about the upcoming relaunch issue uh, in episode 89, I went back and listened to your interview with Fred Van Lenty. It sold me enough to go and pick up the issue number one. Luckily, I Nice, nice. And he said, luckily, I got the issue with the Baroness on the cover. So I, oh, I got that one, too. That's a pretty good cover. I like that. Good for you, dude. Good for you. He says, I enjoyed this first issue, and it was great to see Quick Kick in action. Growing up with the 80s cartoon, Quick Kick, to me, was the only martial arts master in G.I. Joe. <laughs> it wasn't until years later that I found out that Snake Eyes was a martial artist and ninja in his own right. 
I will also be checking out the other books as they come uh, as they become available. Thanks for all your hard work. The <laughs> work you too do. Um, one of us does hard work. Uh, and then, <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> Moving on. Thomas also sent us an email with some questions here. So he says, "Hi, Alrighty. I have a, a few questions for you two. Question number one: What did you guys think of the GI Joe Sigma Six series that came out a few years ago?" Oh well, um, I actually watched a little bit of it. Uh, the stories were okay as far as the actual story goes on some of them. The art was really anime style, kind of a uh, Japanese inspired Speed Racer style, mm-hmm. which I'm not really uh, that much of a fan of. Uh, the the toys were kind of you know like they were bigger, like I said, and. Uh, but I, I do remember watching some of the episodes, and they, they were okay, but they weren't great. It wasn't my G.I. Joe. I mean, there were some changes that were definitely made um, to the vehicles and stuff like that. And But, I mean, it was G.I. Joe, and it was you know, kind of cool to see G.I. Joe on TV at that time. Yeah. Because uh, there hasn't been a cartoon you know, out for a while. So when that came out, I was like, oh, there's a new G.I. Joe cartoon. What, 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 what the hell is this? What is this? So I kept watching it and everything. So, you know. Yeah, I only seen a few episodes of it. It was kind of like you, where I kind of stumbled upon it, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, GI Joe!" I haven't, I didn't know they were even doing a GI Joe cartoon again. So I started watching, and I'm like, and kind of like the reaction you've had before. I'm like, "This isn't my GI Joe." <laughs> I'm like, "What the hell did they do? They messed it up. It's all wrong. It's all you know." But then I started watching a little bit of it, and it was you know it was all right. It wasn't you know great or nothing. It wasn't the best. It was yeah. It was it was all right. All right, and uh, but it was yeah, it it was just kind of all right. Now the toys, I never really had much interaction with the toys. I'm act- from stuff I've heard about them, I've heard the toys were better than the cartoon was, and so I'm kind of interested to check. Maybe, maybe I'm sure I'll see some of those toys at uh, JoeCon. So you know, once I see them in hand, maybe it might be something I'm interested in picking up one or two of them. I don't know, but, uh, I definitely want to check them out. That's something I'm very interested in seeing when we go to Joe kind of seeing what these Sigma six, uh, figures look like. So, um, his second question is excluding the DC animated universe, really limiting me. Uh, what, <laughs> who are your favorite voice actors, for Marvel and other comic properties. He goes, here are my top picks. Uh, Spider-Man, Paul Soule from the 60s Spider-Man series. Uh, TMNT, uh, he mentions all the different voice actors from that. Leonardo Donatello, Raphael, Michelangelo. He actually gives all of the actors voice actors' names. Uh, Wolverine from the X-Men series on Fox, uh, which was Capital uh, Dodd. Uh, Garfield <laughs> from the Garfield cartoons and specials, which Lorenzo Music, and The Thing, which is Chuck McCann from Fantastic Four cartoon in 1994. Do you have any that kind of stand out in your mind of, as far as like voice actors or voice, like even if it's just a character's voice that you liked, even if you don't know who the actor was? Well, I mean, there's a couple right away. I mean, Peter Cullen and, you know, Frank Welker. Sure. They, they they pop right out, you know, as far as voice 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 actors go. But basically, you know, Megatron and Prime, but then they've they've done other characters, you know, along the way. Other ones, yeah. Um The voice actor who played Scrooge McDuck, I don't know who it was. Yeah. But I've always enjoyed, you know, hearing Scrooge McDuck talk. Okay. Um yeah, I mean, like you said, Colin and, and Welker were huge. Uh I, you know, Scatman Carruthers, I've mentioned him on the show before. He did uh, jazz, and he also did Hong Kong Fooey. 
So, I mean, I like, I like that voice. Um, uh, he mentioned the, you know, Spider-Man, you know, I, I think the Spider-Man from Spider-Man is amazing friends. I don't know if it's the same guy of Paul souls or not. Probably not. But, uh, that's the Spider-Man I hear in my head is the Spider-Man. That's the one I hear too from Spider-Man and the amazing friends. So, uh, and, uh, I mean, we didn't touch on, we're not allowed to touch on DC, but obviously there's, you know, the, the classics of Kevin Conroy and, uh, Daily, who did uh, Superman and stuff like that. Those are ones that pop in my head all the time. But, uh, I mean, yeah, as far as uh, other characters, I mean, yeah, Wolverine from the 90s uh, Fox series was, you know, that that's the Wolverine I hear in my head uh, whenever I'm reading, like, comics and stuff like that. So, um, and then I guess, you know, when you're looking at that, as far as the voices you hear in your head when you're reading a comic, like, Really, the gambit from that same series is the gambit I hear in my head. Uh, well, I was going to say, you know, there's Chris Latta, was Cobra Commander in Starscream. I, I, yeah, I mentioned him a little bit earlier when you were mentioning uh, Welker and stuff. Was yeah, Latta was. I mean, that's a that's the voice I hear of Starscream when I'm reading our uh, Transformers comics and stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. The Cobra Commander, I don't hear Latta as much anymore when I'm reading the comics, but obviously. Like, if I'm reading the Larry Hammer run, I kind of do a little bit. Right, it's it's not the same commander. It's not Craig, so I, I get that. So, all right, and then we had uh, Brian, uh, which is Sandman on our forums. He sent us an email. He says, uh, it's in regards to Mirage. Uh, he says, what the hell, Chuck? What the hell? <laughs> How can you say that Wheelie is better than a better character than Mirage? Mirage kicks Wheelie's ass. It's a shame that he wasn't used more in the original cartoon and that he's not currently being used in the comic books because he's a great character. Take care, Brian. I, I don't know, Brian. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think that was really my argument of the whole you know thing about Mirage. It's like they, they really he was a seldom used character and it, he was just, you know, his power was kind of lame, uh, you know, only because they really didn't use him that much. They didn't really flush him out. I don't think his power was lame at all, and, and actually, I don't think you had much of an argument that night other than you said that Mirage sucked and that Wheelie was a better character because you were already like halfway into your beer that night. So, <laughs> well, that's why that was my next defense. I, you know, I was drinking, so. You know. So, do you want to take back what you said about Mirage since the fans are uh, ready to? Oh, oh no, I'll take nothing back. Okay, well then you're still wrong. So. <laughs> Well, there you go. All right. Uh, so we did have some a couple of voicemails, but we'll play those a little later because they actually pertain to some of the issues that we're going to cover. Uh, but before we get into the issues, uh, I think uh, we really need to kind of wrap up uh, our little Roadhouse Awards. Uh, I think it's time we announce who the winners were, and we'll keep this nice and brief. But uh, we should announce the different category winners as well as who the winner of the prize package is. So well as the losers. No. <laughs> so uh, best writer who do you have a guess on who you thought won that? Uh, Mike Costa. Yeah, he won by a landslide. So uh, nice. Yeah, it was. It wasn't even close. <laughs> uh, best artist. This would. This one came down to a two vote difference. Was it Robert? 
Robert won. Yes. Um, nice. Congratulations. Robert had nine votes and Shannon had seven votes. Uh, Ooh, close. Very close. Um, and then uh, ongoing series. This was also fairly close. Uh, Ninja Turtles. Nope. We were we were robbed. <laughs> Cobra. Ninja Turtles only got two votes. Uh, Cobra series got five. So the fuck only two votes. <laughs> People suck. The uh, the miniseries or one shot actually we had a tie, uh, and it was was it Masters? Masters of the Universe and Boba Fett is dead. The blood ties. So all right. Well, I'm a, I'm, I I I would agree with Masters. Yeah, that was really good. Dan- Danger Girl, GI Joe got three votes. So it was that was a close race too. So um, best story. This wasn't even freaking close at all. <laughs> Chuckles Chuckles last laugh. <laughs> Anything else got like one vote, and then Chuckles Last Laugh like just landslide. Uh, it was very good and very memorable. Um, worst story of 2012. Again, I don't even. Oh, uh, Infestation. Not even close. Infestation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, best cover. This was very. Fuck you, IDW. Fuck you. <laughs> this uh, best cover was very very close. Um. It came down to uh, the winner ended up being Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, number 13. Oh, Robert, huh? Yeah. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, best character of 2012. Huh. This, He-Man. This was not even close. Um, really? Oh. Uh, mainframe. Really? Mainframe? Mainframe, yeah. I can see it, I guess. You know, he got a little bit more prominent in the issue. He's, you know, starting to maybe make a play romantically for Scarlet. So I, I see it. Uh, worst character. Uh, only one char- uh, character got more than one vote. There was a lot of one voters out there for ca- worst character of 2012. You mean the worst character or the character who had the worst year? The worst year. Skeletor. Nope. Deep Six. Oh, well, yeah. Lost an arm. Uh, best Star Joe's episode of 2012. This one. 89. <laughs> uh, I'm going to guess the listener feedback episode. Episode 75, yep. Nice. Uh, best Star Joe's. Definitely, definitely got to do that again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then Best Star Joe's moment of 2012. This was close. This was close, huh? Baltimore Comic Con. No. I don't know. That's what I voted for. Again, that was more of a personal thing. So I, I right. when you put it out, you had to be there. Yeah, when yeah you, you had to be there. You put it out to the listeners. Uh, it was actually uh, Chuck's story of the Schwitz. So that happened in a, that last year. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah. At Baltimore. <laughs> there you go. So of course it happened in 2012. But speak. I'm glad you brought up. Uh, since we're going to the next category, I'm glad you brought up things that happened in 2012 versus this fucking year. Because <laughs> this this pissed me off that this won. <laughs> best what won? best ammo dump. The creation of the ammo dump itself. Right. That's what won. When did oh, yeah, it, when did we start doing the ammo dump episodes? Yeah, but we talked about doing it prior to. I don't freaking care. We didn't start doing ammo dump episodes till 2013. <laughs> and you, well, there you go. Yeah, I kicked this up to the same bullshit that you did by putting. I don't even remember what you did the one year where it wasn't even a thing that year, and you still put it on the list and people voted for it. 
Well, I, I tend to do that. Like this should have never been a nominee. <laughs> I actually thought about eliminating it, but it, but it won. So there you go. So whatever. Uh, best star Joes in other media. Uh, let's see. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle cartoon. Uh, close. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. All right, I'll I'll take it. Uh, and then what you're looking forward to most in 2013? This was pretty. There's a lot of mixed things on this one. Star Wars Black Series. That's what won. Uh, there was right. there was also a vote for Star Wars movie news. Uh, the Castle Grayskull. Uh, Star Wars Detours, which has actually now been canceled or, or hi- put on hiatus, I should say. Um, and then there was a vote from John Thurman for looking forward to Quinn coming out as a figure. So nice. Um, so I took all the votes that we had. I uh, remember you could vote. No one voted by email, by the way. So there were a couple people that double dipped by voting on the forums and voting on Facebook, but no one also voted by email. So there's a couple people. I have the forum names, which there was five people that voted on the forums. And then there was a bunch of people that voted on Facebook. So what I did is I wrote all the names down because we're not in the same room. I couldn't just put them on a piece of paper and draw it because then it's not really fair because I saw the papers go in and I pulled the, the winner out. So we're gonna. Um, but but you can let me win. No, I voted. Carrie, you're not on the list. You can't win. You son of a bitch. <laughs> so uh, every year you blacklist me from these contests. Every year we had right. So uh, sixteen people total voted, uh, or we had to- sixteen total like yeah people, uh, whatever. Uh, sixteen entries. Sixteen entries. 16 entries. So what I want you to do, Chuck, is I wrote down all the names, and then I wrote at random numbers next to all the names. So you have not seen this because I did this literally before we started recording. So if you can give me a number from 1 to 16, you can include 1, or you could say 16, or you can choose any number in between. All right. So it's up to me, huh? Nice. I I like the pressure. Uh, Let's see. Number 9. Number 9. We have is Matt C, which was uh, he was on he voted on Facebook, so I'm not saying his last name, but I will reach out to Matt C. In fact, by the time he would hear this episode, he will have already been contacted that he was the winner, and I will get his address so we can send that prize package out to him. All right, very good. Congratulations, Matt C. Congratulations, Matt. Uh, and we had more than one Matt. That's why I made sure I put Matt C. Uh, Matt C. Um, all right. So, uh, you ready to get into some issues here? Nah, let's call it off early tonight. Off for three months. Why should we jump into them now? Right. That's what I'm saying. All right. Let's, let's bust the move on these. All right. Well, let's get into our From Springfield to Tatooine. From Springfield to Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of issues to cover, uh, so we're probably not going to do a whole lot of summary of these issues. Uh, but I put them in kind of an order based on almost like on release in a sense. I don't know. Just kind of stuff we want to get caught up on first, and then I saved kind of the best for last stuff. 
uh, I guess, in a, in a sense, as far as the stuff people probably want us to talk the most about. Which is, All right, then go ahead and start then. You're killing me. It's two new series that started recently, so... Um, all right, so first uh, on the docket I have here is Cobra number 20 and Cobra number 21. So what would you give 20? Uh, I gave that one a buy. Give that a buy as well. Uh, with this issue we have is that uh, we get some background, again, to more of the October Guard. We have Flint and his group going into Russia to try to save uh, Chameleon, I believe it was. Or, no, Ronin. They're Ronin. And... Uh, they get captured. Uh, essentially, what happens, and Clockspring has to go to Tomax to see if he can help him, uh, which is obviously not something that he wants to have to do. So it was, it was a good issue. Good issue. Uh, yeah. Now, now you want to do the, the last issue? That's what I was going to say. Yeah, issue number twenty-one. Would I actually gave that one a buy too, and I actually enjoyed the last, uh, the end of that, with what actually happened to Clockspring at the end of that issue. Yeah, I did too. I gave it, I gave it a buy, but I did give it a lower buy just because it, it, it just kind of, I don't know, it, it didn't feel like a last issue, like it didn't feel like it wrapped up as much. Probably because it's going to lead right into the Cobra Files. Um, but right, that's what I thought was going to go ha- go on with it. But like I said, I, I did enjoy it because of the the end and the reveal with Clockspring. Yeah, uh, that that he now. Uh, he now owes Tomax basically. Uh, and yeah, now that they're friends and he owes him a favor and he always keeps his friends close. So he's probably going to get, you know, betrayed. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or he, well, clock strings springs probably gonna have to betray the Joes. Uh, right. They're going to get betrayed. So, and it's going to be by, by an inside guy. So we kind of know that could be setting up something where the, another GI Joe could turn, you know, toward Cobra, you know, and, and like the whole thing with, um, what's Steeler. Yeah. And I, well, I think what will happen too is I think that clock spring will be the reason that Tomax, uh, gets his freedom, like escapes. Uh, could, could be, could very well be. Uh, but I thought there was a good moment between, uh, Chameleon and Ronin, uh, as far as like surviving this type of world. Uh, so I thought that was cool. There was some awesome action going on. Uh, I love the part where major blood, uh, killed the Colonel, I believe, believe it was of October guard, the October guard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then he leads the rest of he was leading the rest of the October Guard kind of out of there, um, or offered to lead them out, and uh, yeah, so he Major Blood's back out there, uh, he's he's free, and uh, some of the October Guard's still out there too, so uh, I'm sure it's not the last we've seen of of any of them actually. So, all right, uh, going into Storm uh, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow number 21. This was the last issue of this, and it was meant to be an homage to uh, G.I. Joe number 21 of A Real American Hero. Uh, yeah, it was a silent issue, so there are really no words in this one. Uh, I, I actually gave this one a borrow. It, it was kind of a kind of a letdown. I gave it a low borrow. Um, the only yeah. reason I even give it a, I'm leaning towards borrow is because I thought the art was very pretty because it, it's Robert's art. Um, well, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, I mean, you're looking at it, so that tells the story. But I mean, but the story it, unclear. <laughs> ex- that and and the fact that with it being uh, you know an homage, if you will, to the silent issue 21, that's what you're always going to compare it to in your mind. Right. And it, and it kind of came a little short, you know, on that for me. Yeah, and and the basic story of it is that there's a, they show a flashback that there's this sword that uh, later that killed a bunch of people. Uh, we don't even know why, 
and then uh, it's found in a construction site, and everybody seems to want it, and Hardmaster ends up finally getting it, and he brings it back to his home where there's a guy there that's all cut up and everything else, and based on the last panel, I think that's supposed to be Snake Eyes, like he survived, but I can't even tell, and this is a situation where I feel like words would have been helpful. <laughs> to be able to- yeah, I think this story would have benefited by a couple of uh, you know, word balloons or panels or something like that, or maybe a little bit. Uh, I I don't know. Like I said, it was just it, it felt a little short. It was a little lacking for me because all the times I I've uh, I think in the past that I've seen Snake Eyes without his mask on, hasn't he always been a blonde? Uh, in, the, in some of the in the Marvel you know stuff, yeah, in, Devil- in the old Marvel comic books and stuff like that, yeah. So this guy has brown hair or black hair and I just I don't know he just doesn't he doesn't look like he's Snake Eyes but he at the very end he's holding a shredded version of Snake Eyes mask so I'm not sure if he's supposed to be Snake Eyes or he's picking up the mantle of Snake Eyes I don't know well I mean I have he actually Snake Eyes has actually worn a a rubber mask you know too to hide the disfigured face that he wears so I mean it could be a rubber mask who knows yeah that's true, too. But, yeah, that was another thing that I had a problem with it was that in G.I. Joe Origins, a long time ago, we saw that Snake Eyes got his face mangled up. So this guy's too pretty to be Snake Eyes, unless, like you said, unless it's a rubber mask, but they don't show that. So I don't know. I'm assuming it's his real face, but I don't know. All right. Uh, yeah. G.I. Joe number 21. I, I gave that a buy. I gave this a buy also. This was a fun issue. It was. This was uh, General Hawk is, you know, he's retired, so he's actually using Snake Eyes' cabin out in the woods, and he's actually looking after Timber, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, this this issue is the one I gave my entire buy to on this one. I felt they wrapped up the story, uh, you know, really well. It gave a nice little ending to General Hawk. Sure. Since he's really not going to be, you know, pretty predominant in the new G.I. Joe, yeah. you know, comic book. So it kind of put a little little end cap, a little little period at the end of that, so I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, I thought it wrapped up uh, General Hawk's story very well. Um, my only complaint is is goes kind of uh, it's your argument for it is almost my argument against it was I didn't feel like it wrapped up the G.I. Joe series that was going on. It just wrapped up General Hawk's story. It, ra- it wrapped up Hawk's story, yeah. I'll give you that. So, um, so, but I thought it was a fun story. It's definitely a good story. Like if you kind of knew what was happening, you knew General Hawk retired, you could pretty much pick up this one issue and just read this if you haven't really read anything before it and get a, a fun action story. So, exactly. This and this is the issue where our, the title of our show comes from uh, this episode. So, uh, he he mentions that he heard that uh, on a cartoon once when someone said. Uh, you win. The commander was right. I should have read your fi- uh, read your file. And he says, "Knowing is half the battle." Uh, heard that on a cartoon once, so I thought that was a nice little nod. Obviously, so nice little touch to GI Joe. Sure. Uh, then we have uh, wrapping up Danger Girl GI Joe number five. This was. Well, I really enjoyed that. I I really really like the Danger Girl series as a whole. I know you picked up the trade for it. It's something I want to pick up down the road. I, I gave it a buy. 
to buy also. I yeah, I picked up every issue of this and then I got I ordered the hardcover also, uh, which was pretty awesome also. Um, yeah, and yes, is it cheesy? Yes, especially at the end, they do the the funny little. Uh, I guess you're right, Scarlet. Now I know. And then Scarlet goes, and knowing is half the battle. Like I realize it's cheesy. I realize it's it's corny and stuff like that. But they were intentionally doing it. Like they were intentionally making nods to uh, some of the things. Look, it's intentional nods to the Sunbow cartoon. Uh, I mean, there's an awesome two-page spread where the USS flag gets uh, bowled over by a tidal wave. I mean, it's, there's just it's some great art. Uh, it's a fun series. You get to see every character you ever pretty much wanted to see uh, from GI Joe, and they all have their moments. Um, I mean, we even see like Low Light making an appearance in this issue. So, um, and Torpedo making a dive to go save some people. So, I, I really enjoy that miniseries. I can't say enough about it. Uh, it actually got my vote for best miniseries from 2012. So, even though it didn't, nice. Um, all right. Uh, from really good to really bad, uh, Voltron number ten. Uh, it's a bag of dicks, my friend. Bag of dicks. Or otherwise known on our show as a snarf, right? <laughs> or or a bag of dicks, yeah. Um, I, I snarfed it. I didn't like it at all. It was a snarf. I I don't like it either. Uh, I think there's one more issue of this series. Uh, the art has just gotten progressively worse. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a scene where Hunk is in bed with a woman. They're both naked, and and it wasn't even good enough art to make me think that the woman looked attractive. So, <laughs> I mean. Now, the only part of the book I really liked, like I told you, is that first uh, panel where you see her eye. Yeah, where you. See- I thought that was I thought that was done okay, pretty pretty well. Look, the rest of the book went downhill from there. Yeah, they show Allura's eyes kind of looking outside of her mask, and that look yeah that looks really great. And then the whole rest of it just looks horrible. Um, I mean, you have the Voltron is fighting the this uh, other Vol- this other Voltron esque type thing and it, yeah it just it's just not a well-told story it's not it's not good art at all i know you mentioned the fingers uh they showed uh keith later on looking at his hands and the fingers look like long alien fingers yeah it's not good yeah so there i think there's only one more issue which is issue number 11 and uh then i I tried to reach out to the one creator on Twitter and asked him if the series was being canceled or if Dynamite was going to go in a different direction or release it some other way. And he goes, well, I don't think I can really talk about that right now. And I haven't seen any solicits for it or any new solicits for Voltron. So I have a feeling that it's just being canceled by Dynamite and they're not even going to try to to start it again in a new direction. Because if they started it again with a new creative team, I would probably give it a try again because I have read good Voltron comics before and, at some point we will have a Voltron spotlight where we actually do cover some of those good Voltron comics. And, and Chuck, I think your opinion then. It's just, yeah, it's just unfortunate. This wasn't one of them. Yeah. I was going to say, I think your opinion will change once you read some of those, you'll be like, wow, this is what it should have been. So, right. Um, wrapping up masters of the universe. Number six. Oh, loved it. Loved it. Really? You didn't like it. I gave it a borrow. Um, and I thought you did too. Back when we talked about it. <laughs> no, I, I, I loved it. I loved the way they wrapped it up. It's just, for me, I wanted a little bit more of a grandioso battle. I wanted to see a little bit more of the the Masters get into it. But that's what I wanted in my head. I mean, I love what they gave us. Don't get me wrong. I, I love that. I love the end of it. I love the reveal. 
my I my I just I I I wanted a little bit more, and that's just because I'm a fan. Yeah, yeah. But well, and the thing is, I don't even think it's so much what was in my head as so much as what I felt like they were kind of setting up towards. Uh, was to have this big battle because in this issue they show He-Man talking to the whole group. Like there's Roboto's there and Ram Man's there and Moss Man. Stratos, Moss Man. Yeah, you got the whole group there, you know, you know Masters, and basically they agree that they're all going to go fight Skeletor and have one giant battle. He-Man. And then you know, He-Man comes to Tila and they're talking and he goes, you know, it can never be that way. I must face them alone. Right. And so there is a cool battle between He-Man and Skeletor, but then I really wanted like that moment where uh, He-Man's getting beaten, and you know maybe the Master show up because you know because maybe He-Man's getting overwhelmed, not just so much because Skeletor's beating him individually, but because maybe you know there's Beastman, Triclops. You know, I realize it's probably cliche to do that, but I'm okay with cliche in this instance where it would have been cool to see all of those, um, all those Masters and the villains and everything else fighting each other in one big battle, and then it comes down to He-Man and Skeletor in the middle battling each other. And I felt like that's what the issue was setting up towards initially, and then they, they I felt like they just kind of copped out to go into just a battle between the two of them. Um, but on, I, I'll, I'll agree with a little bit of that, but honestly, the battle they gave us was really good. Yeah, it was a cool battle, but I felt like that battle could have been going on along with the other ones, too. Um, there, well, yeah, you could have stretched out that battle to two issues, at least. There was a, a cool somewhat reveal. They didn't actually reveal them, but uh, it's been speculated that the hand with the red robe that we're seeing there is potentially uh, Orko. Yeah, at the end. that's my thought. That's my thought. Yeah, and it makes sense, too, because they do mention in the issue, too, that Orko was a traitor at one point. Uh, and obviously he's in a place where his magic works, it looks like. So um, who knows? Uh, I, there's other speculation that maybe it's the, uh, I can't remember, the faceless one or the evil one or something like that. Um, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of things out there. But, yeah, when I first heard that and I looked back at the picture, Orko makes the most sense, which would be kind of interesting because it might give me an Orko that I'm actually uh, very, very interested in. He's not the little cheesy character for comedy relief he's actually a real threat or a real well only on Eternia does Orko's magic not work on his homeland of Trala he's he's a very powerful wizard right um and then we had uh speaking of He-Man we have origin of He-Man number one uh which was just a one shot anyways but oh I gave that a buy I enjoyed that too uh I'm I'm so mixed on this one um I love the art I ended up giving it a, a, a high borrow only because I love the art. I thought the art was gorgeous on it. Uh, right, right. But and and I was good with the story, but I felt like the the way they told the story ultimately didn't make sense because they open with they did the typical thing where you go to the end of the story. Yeah, that flash it back. Yeah, back. But Skeletor and Adam were the only people in that room, and then Adam grabs the sword and turns into He-Man, and the first thing that Skeletor says is, who are you? That didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, you're the only two in the room, you saw him grab the sword, well, how do you not know who the hell he is? Well, he, well, it's like this, you know him as your nephew, Adam, when he turns to He-Man, and like, who are you? What? You know, I, I, I thought I knew you, I thought I knew who exactly you were, I, I you know, I, but now you're He-Man, who, who are you? What other secrets do you have that I don't know? I mean, what else is going on in this world? It's not how he says it, though. Like, when you read the words, he's basically talking like he doesn't know who this person is. 
like, who are you? Who, you know, what, what are you, you know, what are you doing here almost? Uh, cause I reread some of the words that he says and it's not like, Oh, you're not who I thought you were type of who are you? It's like, I don't know who you are. And that's the thing I had a problem with. Cause I'm like, there's only two people in the room. How do you not know that this is Adam? Uh, because he he wouldn't have to identify himself as He-Man then. I don't know. It just like I said, that part kind of threw me off. Well, maybe if it's the origin of He-Man, he, he doesn't know who He-Man is at this point. Well, and that was maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the first time he's seeing He-Man. He goes, Adam was here. Who are you? You know. And I think where did you come from? I think that was the other thing that made it a little bit weaker for me is I didn't feel like it was a soup. Like I've seen stronger origins of Adam getting the sword and being He-Man. Like I even. I feel the filmation origin of that happening is stronger. I felt that the 2000 X origin of it was stronger. I just, well, yeah. And you're telling those origins in like a, you know, 20 minute or half hour cartoon. And you're telling this one in a one shot comic. So sure. I mean, you got to give a little here. Well, no, I, I don't actually, I could say, well, then it should have been a longer series than just a one shot. I don't have to. I, Hey, I agree with that, but the one shots, what we got and what we got, I liked. Yeah. I, I liked it. I said, I gave it a high borrow. It's just, there were elements of it that I felt weakened it from being a buy for me. Uh, okay. So, so I, yeah, I mean, I gave it a high borrow. I thought it was good. G.I. Joe will return after these messages. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe news, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right. And we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding. Kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right. And we. Okay. Seriously. This is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good. No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's all right. Do you like retro shows? Did you grow up in either the 80s or the 90s? Then tune into Telecast, geekcastradio.com's newest podcast. Join us here on the Telecast as we revisit some of your favorite shows, such as Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Saved by the Bell, and much, much more, only on geekcastradio.com. To Cybertron. Thank you, Soundwave. I am TFG1 Mike, and you should be listening to my very first podcast, the TFG1 Podcast. 24 episodes covering the entire U.S. run of the 1984 Transformers cartoon. Also, a few supplemental episodes in an interview with Stan Bush. So check out the TFG1 Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Transforming Rollout. Movie Week in Review is the GeekCast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on GeekCastRadio.com. Now, back to G.I. Joe. So, uh, going into Transformers now, uh, we had a... Thunder, uh, speaking of one-shots, we have a Thundercracker, uh, Spotlight and Thundercracker. Um, let me pull out my list. I think I gave that one a borrow. Okay. I gave this one a buy. 
Yes, I gave that a borrow. Okay. I gave this a buy. I really liked the story. Uh, I thought the art was good. The art was by Chi, who we've seen before on Transformers art. Right, right. And uh, it was about Thundercracker. Uh, help, he's one of the Seekers, and he's doing exactly what a Seeker you would expect to do, which is he's trying to seek out Metroplex, uh, who has the ability to uh, space warp and time warp and everything else. So uh, we saw him. Uh, we actually got to see... Uh, the character uh, Beast uh, Wars character Waspinator uh, showed up in this issue, which I thought was cool. Because remember when we asked Arbor and stuff about that, like, will we see any Beast Wars poss- possibly? And he's like, in a sense, we might. And uh, sure enough, we did get uh, Wasp. Right, right. So, did you did you hear the voice, the Waspy voice? Yeah, easy, easy, easy. Yeah, I did. I, that's one voice I don't like, but <laughs> from Beast. But you but you heard it. I did hear it. Um, but I thought it was a really good uh, story with a matchup between uh, Thundercracker and uh, Bumblebee and, and them having kind of a mutual respect for each other in the end. And then uh, Thundercracker reporting back to uh, Megatron saying, well, what I thought was Metroplex isn't there. So right from this is like an early tale of Thundercracker turning against uh, Megatron because of what he believes versus what the should be for the Decepticons versus what Megatron believes should be for the Decepticons. Right. Uh, then we had a Megatron uh, Spotlight. I actually gave that one a buy. I actually really enjoyed that one. That's a classic Megatron Starscream battle. Yeah, I gave it a borrow. Um, I liked it. I, I definitely liked it. Uh, and and I agree with you. It's a, it's a classic uh, battle between the two of them. Um it was, like I said, it was good. I liked how it kind of led up to, because they always tell you in the front of these issues, like, where this takes place in the story. And this is when Starscream uh, loses control of the Decepticons back to Megatron and his new body. And he he feels like he's got the world is his oyster, which obviously we find we know from stories we've already read that he loses control again of the Decepticons and has to sacrifice himself to save Cybertron and everything. So, right. I did really like the moment with Starscream uh, telling Megatron. I thought this was a very good, powerful moment of him telling him, I had it all and I couldn't control it. Um, like, I had control of everything and I had everything I desired and I couldn't make it, make them obey me. I couldn't get their respect and, and not through fear or not through anything. He's like, I just, I had it all and I couldn't control it like you did. Yeah, he's, he almost came out saying it without saying it. Like I, I wasn't you. I, I had it, but I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm not you. Right. Uh, going into Bumblebee spotlight. I gave that one a borrow. I thought it was uh, the three spotlights that we read. I thought it was the weaker of the three. Yeah, and the, but I gave it a borrow. Really sat there and thought about this one, and I kind of had to give this one a snarf. Um, Did you really? I thought about it. Uh, the art wasn't bad. It, it just wasn't super strong. Um, no, it wasn't. I mean, that's why I give it a borrow. I mean, it's eh. Bumblebee really. There's a lot of flashbacks to his interactions with characters like Thundercracker and stuff like that. Uh, going to talk to the the doctor again that, uh, if you remember from the Bumblebee miniseries, that uh, he had uh, was involved, like, was helping, working with the, the one doctor's daughter. Uh, and then he ended up putting him in danger and everything else. So he goes back to that doctor to talk to him. Um, yeah, it's like... 
it didn't spotlight Bumblebee very well in a, in a very positive light because he could, he, much like Starscream in the Megatron issue, he wasn't getting the respect of his peers on Earth. And then what ended up giving him respect was that he took down like five Decepticons at once, but they all think basically that he kicked their asses. And he beat them up, but he didn't, yeah. And that's the thing that made it weak. I would have rather seen Bumblebee take, like, then I would have respected Bumblebee more as the, being the leader of the Autobots. Not that now he's being respected by them and they don't realize that he actually isn't the tough leader that they're giving him credit to be. So that's the part I had a problem with because... I want them to make me believe that Bumblebee could be a leader, and I don't believe it after this issue. Okay, I, I get that. Uh, going into uh, Robots in Disguise, number 13. Uh, I gave that a buy. I gave a buy as well. Uh, this I'm enjoying that. Yeah, this is awesome. Uh, Robots in Disguise, if it keeps up on this trend, is going to get my uh, vote for series uh, of 2013 because... Or could get it because yeah, easy, easy Tiger. We're in March. Easy. No, it's just the art's beautiful. Uh, Griffith's art is uh, is absolutely gorgeous. Um, this is the one the big reveal that we kind of hinted at before, where uh, Wheeljack meets up with Prowl, and Prowl takes says, "I've got something to show you," and he takes him, and we find out that what he got to show him is that he's going to put him at gunpoint. Uh, that Prowl's been working with the Decepticons. Uh, yeah, that's who knew. And Megatron escapes, and he uh, takes Starscream back to the Decepticon base, and that's where we get this amazing two-page spread that shows Megatron standing in front of all of the Decepticons with Soundwave and Shockwave and the Insecticons and the Constructicons, and there's uh, Wheeljack on his knees with uh, Prowl standing behind him and a gun to Wheeljack's head. So yeah. So that was just freaking awesome. Uh, and the closing of that issue, uh, Megatron says to Starscream, he's like, tonight Cybertron finally irrevocably belongs to Megatron. So I thought that was just cool as hell. Uh, right, and, and it flows right into the next one, the, the 14? Yeah, number 14. I gave number 14 my total buy of all these books. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it too. It was going to be really close between that, but uh, 14's really good. Yeah. Um, the big things that happen in this one is Megatron gets, uh, a new body, uh, which is basically his original body. Uh, he looks like Megatron that we all know and love. Uh, Prowl blows Wheeljack's head off. Yeah. <laughs> Just dead. Dead. Blew, blew it right off. Uh, Bumblebee is brought in along with Metalhawk, uh, into the Decepticons, uh, uh, Megatron tells uh, Bumblebee what was going on, and we find out that Prowl actually has not been working for Megatron and the Decepticons, that he's actually been controlled by uh, a Cerebro shell by uh, uh, Bombshell. So so he's actually just under control, mind control. Um, and yeah, I didn't think they would let him be, you know, turn bad and keep it going for a while. So they had to hurry up and correct it the very next episode, so... But pretty, pretty, pretty uh, standard. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it would have been cool if they would have gone longer. I mean, I, I totally was believing that Prowl would have turned at this point because he didn't believe the direction things were going, and maybe he would turn towards the Decepticons if he felt like there was no other option. Uh, at least they had me believing that. So exactly, yeah, me too. That's why I'm saying 
you know, I, I get it. You're not going to take a classic, you know, Autobot like Prowl and yep. you know, turn him evil and leave him there for a long time. So I, I get it. And uh, Bumblebee says to Megatron, like, you wouldn't tell me all the stuff that you're doing if you were just going to kill us. And he goes, that's where you're wrong. And he grabs Bumblebee out of the face and just crushes Bumblebee's head. Um, we have Devastator reforms, which is amazing because we don't have Scavenger anymore. But uh, they find a way to make it work uh, by... Uh, actually having Prowl transform into the head of Devastator. Right. Uh, and uh, Devastator goes and grabs Broadside out of uh, the one base and crushes him in his hand. So we got Broadside, boom, dead. Bumblebee's dead. And all this stuff is happening, and Devastator's destroying Cybertron, and we see a, a beacon going up for the Decepticons, showing that they have control over everything. And the very last page was another one of those moments where I was like, oh, I need the next issue. Because you see a word balloon that says, I think that's our cue, amigos, the page. And there's Ironhide, who Megatron believes is already dead. And he says, time for us to, to bot up and save the world. And it's Ironhide, the Dinobots, and Superion, which is all the aerial bots. Exactly. Like, oh, I need the next issue. <laughs> Ironhide to the rescue. Uh, so going from really good Transformers <laughs> to more subpar. More CI. <laughs> yeah, I, I snarfed issue, what, we're talking 13? Yes. Yeah, snarf. Yeah, I snarfed it as well. Um, I, bag of dicks, my friend, bag of dicks. I mentioned before that we're always going from... Uh, in this in this uh, series, we always seem to have them sitting around talking about stories of stuff they did in the past. This was them sitting around talking about a story about them sitting around doing stuff, <laughs> like telling stories. Like it was them sitting around talking about how they would sit around tell and tell stories. Uh, there was they had them send holographic avatars that were like hard holograms so they could actually interact. So this way they go on this alien planet, uh, to a bar on this alien planet, and they all look, all their avatars look dumb. Uh, it, it was, it was just so, it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. It's, it's not good. We need, we just need a new creative team on this. And the part that I also had a problem with this is the pencils were being done by Guido Guidi, who is actually a very good Transformers artist. But he's drawing it exactly like all the previous artists. Like, you can't tell one artist from the next because they're all drawing it in the same style. Yeah, they're kind of aping each other. Let Guido Guidi draw it in his style. Um, and then we can actually maybe at least have some good art, and it might not be as tough to get through. So, um, now we go into uh, Mars Attacks Transformers. Uh, it was a one shot. Yeah, I actually gave that a pretty high borrow. Yeah. I gave it a borrow also. I was not expecting necessarily to like it, but I thought I'd give it a try as just a one shot. It was it was fun. It was yeah, it's a fun issue. If you want a just a a fun cartoony style uh one shot uh that just has, you know, it's it like you said, it's just fun. It, it, like there's no seriousness, there's no big repercussions or anything like that. It's just a one-and-done story of the Autobots and Decepticons having to join forces to go up against the Mars Attacks aliens. Um, I love the little comment uh, from the one military guy to Spike asking him what's going on with the uh, yellow boots that he's wearing. I thought that was funny. Um, 
I liked how we had Megatron and, and Optimus having to, to join sides. Uh, but then really near the end, they just went back to their old ways. Yeah, that was the very thing that I liked about the book at the very end. Optimus Prime is like, so we're going to, you know, uh, you know, truce or whatever. And he's like shaking Megatron's hand and just looking at him going, you're going to try to kill us again, aren't you? And he's like, of course I am. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, f- favorite, I think this is a, uh, a favorite of yours, at least a fan favorite out there, uh, Cosmos, actually. Cosmo, yeah, yeah. So he had a, a, a big role in this. So uh, because he looks just like the uh, alien spaceships uh, of the Mars Attacks aliens. So he was actually hiding amongst them and then came out and started blasting them. So it was, it was just a fun issue. If you see it at your comic shop, pick it up. It's, it, I mean, I, I realize we were giving it a borrow, but like I said, if you just want a fun Transformers issue that you don't really need to keep picking up issues of. You know, and there's no continuity, so it's easy to follow. You watch the cartoon, pick it up. It's fun. Um, all right, Regeneration 1, number 87. I know you didn't read 88 and 89, but this is uh, 87. I think you did. 87, yeah. I, I gave that one a uh, a borrow. I, I like that one, but it wasn't as as good as the last ones, I thought. I gave it a borrow also. I'm, I'm right there with you. It, uh, the storyline in general, uh, when you get into 88 and 89, uh, in general, I didn't think this is as strong as it has been. Um, I mean, the next issue after this is actually pretty good, but, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good issue. I love the art in this, uh, series. I think the art by Andrew Wildman is, is absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't as strong. We basically have Grimlock, uh, working with Scorponok, uh, and they can actually convert Autobots into, uh, working for the Decepticons. So they land on Cybertron and that's what they're going to, that's what they start doing. Excuse me. That's what they start doing is they start taking over all of the uh, the Autobots to take over Cybertron. So, all right, uh, you ready for some Turtles fun? Oh, always, always. So we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Secret History of the Foot Clan, issues one, two, and three. What did you give number one? Well, I I'll I'll spoil it here. I gave all of them a a very solid borrow. Okay. Uh, I gave number one a buy, I gave number two a borrow, and I gave number three a buy. Um, this miniseries actually surprised me because I was expecting it to be one of those side fluff type um, things that I'd be like, all right, whatever, Foot Clan, ooh, secret history. Um, but it was a lot better than I expected it to be. Um, uh, what we have going on is we actually do get the history of uh, Orokosaki. Uh and uh, and his interactions a bit with Hamato Yoshi, but it's mostly Orokosaki's story about how he gets involved with being the Shredder and, and everything, or, or taking over the, the Foot Clan back in the day. And it uh, it all leads up to, I mean, there's some awesome battles. There's the, the white fox creature shows up again uh, to fight the turtles and stuff like that. Uh, the the turtles in April end up saving this scientist who has been studying the Foot Clan, and Shredder wants him to study this book of the Foot Clan uh, that reveals some secrets. And one of the secrets that they find out in issue number three, which made it uh, a buy for me, was that they uh, found out that this might may in fact this Shredder may in fact be the original Rokosaki 
uh, because in this secret history of the uh, Foot Clan book that he that he has been uncovered by Shredder, uh, it has a a spell of sorts for coming back from the dead. Uh, and Leonardo says, so he's basically unkillable. And it, and the issue kind of ends with that. So uh, we also find out in these three issues that uh, it, way back to the early days of the Foot Clan that uh, they were being visited by uh, Krang. Or, yeah, or an alien type thing. Yeah, exactly. Utram, yeah. So, so. Yeah, I, I thought they were some solid issues, and like I said, probably what made them uh, a couple of them a buy for me wasn't just the content, but uh, at least for number one, it was the surprise of how much I would act, I actually liked it more than I thought I would. So, alrighty. So now, how about some Star Wars? I know you didn't read the other Turtles issues, so we'll save those for next time. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll uh, put those in the uh, back burner there. Um. So we got Star Wars Agent of the Empire, Hard Targets, Part 4 and Part 5 of a five-part miniseries. I, I gave both of those buys. Uh, 4 was teetering toward a borrow until the very end of it when we see uh, Boba Fett come on and say, you know, the, the, the boy comes with me, and it's just a big, giant, powerful stand uh, Boba Fett's taken. And number 5 wrapped it up very nicely for me. I gave that a buy as well. I really enjoyed that series. Agent of the Empire is it's a five issue series. It's something you definitely should have read. I I, I, I really like. Yeah, and the and the previous uh, miniseries before this was actually really good too. So uh, both if you, if you haven't picked them up in the miniseries, you, you should pick them up in trade. Uh, number four, I gave a borrow to. Uh, the the last panel wasn't enough to make it a, a buy for me, but uh, it was still really cool. Uh, basically, uh, Johan Cross goes, uh, works with the, the previous bodyguard to go save the, the kid, uh, the, the Dooku kid. Um, and the Dooku kid. Awesome. I think his name was Han. Uh, so they go, they go and save him and they have to go underwater and there's a lot of nods to the prequels because they end up using, uh, they go down to an area that looks very much like uh, what the hell is the name of the the plant? Uh, the Naboo uh, waterways for the Gungans and everything else. So, uh, so at least it was good. Uh, wasn't great, so I gave it a borrow. But the last issue, I gave a buy because I really love the twist with it, where you have uh, the bodyguard had said like she would sacrifice her life to save the child and you have Johan going up against Boba Fett and he actually beats him up quite a bit. And, uh, Boba Fett sees that the kid's going to get away. Uh, so he fires his rocket from his back. It's meant just the rocket's just supposed to like disable a vehicle. It's not supposed to explode, but the vehicle explodes. And what we find out at the end of the issue is that everyone thinks that the child is dead uh, because the vehicle exploded and really uh, he was taken away. Uh, he was hit away. And uh, I believe the bodyguard did die though. Like it seems like from all it seems like it. Yeah. What, uh, what we see though, is that sh- the child Ron is actually brought to uh, Leia, princess Leia uh, and uh, Bail Organa. So to, to raise them and everything else and make sure that he has a good life. So, so it was a nice twist there because you didn't know that the, the child actually survived until like the last page. So, uh, let's see. How about Star Wars Purge: The Tyrant's Fist Number Two? 
I gave that a really high borrow. I I, I liked it. Um, yeah, it was okay. It wasn't as good as the first. I feel, but it was okay. The borrow also kind of the same reason that you're saying there. Uh, we have Darth Vader tracks down the 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 Jedi. I it, I gave it a borrow also because I really feel like this whole story probably could have been told in one issue. I think so too. They kind of dragged it out a little bit more to get two issues out of it. So. Um, and we see at the end of this issue that uh, the Emperor has a little bit more confidence and wants Vader to kind of stop look, chasing after the Jedi and move on to greater things. Uh, but we see that Vader actually has a collection of lightsabers from the Jedi he's killed before. So, so it was it was good, like you said, not great, but uh, right, right, all right. Uh, Star Wars: Dawn of the Jedi, number three. Gave that a star for my friend. Really. I, yeah, I gave it a borrow. Uh, I know you have not been liking this series. Um, nah, I just I really don't care for the 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 characters in it for the time frame. I, I it's just it's not interesting me. It's not appealing to me. See, I'm I'm actually uh, exact opposite. The more I'm reading this, the more I'm getting into these characters, and the more I'm understanding them. Uh, we have the the prisoner taking uh, Zesh uh, and taking them to another planet where they can build a lightsaber. They end up building a lightsaber and he says, well, now we're, we're ready to show the, the Jedi that uh, the prophecy that I foresaw will come true. And uh, he says, no, not yet. Uh, we still need an army because that's what I saw in my vision. So, so they're, they're building up uh, to this, this big army that's supposed to be causing a, a, big turn of events for the Jedi. So like I said, I, I liked it. I like it enough to give it a borrow. I don't think it's something people need to go out and buy, but I think it's something that if you have a chance to read it, uh, the art's gorgeous on it. Uh, it's good, good star Wars art. And, uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I'm place. Like I'm getting more into the characters. So, uh, star Wars, dark times. Number one, this is fire carrier. Part one. I gave it a borrow. Um, Basically, we have one of the Jedi that escaped Order 66. I mm-hmm. uh, find he takes some Padawans with him aboard a spaceship, and he, he tries to rescue them and go on a system to try to figure out, you know, what's going on, what's happening, blah blah blah. So I like the premise of it. It's just uh, right now I want to fill out a couple more issues and see how much I really enjoy it. Yeah. Flush it out a little bit more. Right now, it's a solid borrow. I gave it a, a low buy because uh, I like the character of Kakruk. It. Uh, I know we have a listener out there that really loves Kakruk. Um, so I uh, and this was a character and a storyline that I was kind of curious from the previous Dark Time series that was out a while back uh, of what happened with him and the other uh, Padawans that he took under his wing. So uh, I thought it was interesting because they're basically hiding that they're Jedis uh, and they come across a, another guy in this camp that they come that they uh, have come across. So, so yeah, like you, I'm kind of interested to kind of see where it goes, but I, I really liked uh, this issue enough to say it's like, a, it's a low buy it's like dark times so far and everything. And you knew this storyline from previous dark times issues. Uh, I would say go out and pick it up because it's worth continuing that story then. So uh, just about seven more issues to go. <laughs> but we, Almost there. Almost there. We have uh, three issues of A Real American. We have issues 186, 187, and 188. What did you give 186? I gave it a buy. I also. I really enjoyed the issue. Um, 
we have Spirit and uh, Leatherneck and um, Falcon and Zap. Zap, yeah. Characters not really used a lot. Not at all, and that's the thing I really liked about it. They are going in to save, uh, I think it was Dusty and Airtight. Uh, right. They're going to go in. There's this base that has Darklon in it, and Artan's showing up, and he's got Tunnel Rat with him. So, I- yeah, because they're all there as Darklon's trying to sell the thing he stole from Destro about the uh, the, the warhead, the nuclear thing to try to you know start a war. Yeah, that Tritron stuff, whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, Tritron, that's what it is. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, so and they're about at the end of this issue. They're uh, the guards at this space are about to kill Dusty and Airtight. So uh, nice little cliffhanger there. Uh, Would you give number one eighty seven? One eighty seven a buy just continues right into the action there. Uh, basically, at the end of the other issue, uh, Duke and Hawk have Jinx. Yeah, you know, set up to go uh, infiltrate and see what's going on as a one you know, one man wrecking crew kind of thing. Uh, Zap, you know, like you said, spirit and uh, Falcon, you know, continue their, their push toward everything with a uh, ripcord. They meet up with him. Uh, Falcon does get shot in the face and he, uh, spirit asks him if he wants to relinquish command. He says no, but in the end, he eventually he does. Uh, Pale Peony takes a bullet and road pig, uh, is lever, you know, road pig picks her up. He said, no, she took a bullet for me. That means something. So there's a little honor among, you know, thieves there. So that's pretty cool. This one, um, this one I actually will borrow to because... Um, you suck ass so much, dude. Thing with you. How come anytime it's stuff I love, it's okay for you to say borrow, which not a bad rating at all, by the way. But when I... Because <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm drinking. Just, just roll with it. I don't like something that you're super passionate about. Also, I'm a hater. I, gave well, the- I mean, there's there's a lot of action in this book here. I mean, Jinx takes the the intel and she you know uploads it to mainframe. She defeats all the blue ninjas. The Tomahawks there with Lift Ticket and Wild Bill, and they got Doc there for the medevac rescue. Yeah, you know they they, they escape the prison airtight and Dusty escape. You know, it, it's it a lot of stuff went on in that issue 187. Is really good. So I gave the last issue a buy. I'm, I'm, I can tell you right now the next issue I'm giving a buy to. So I'm allowed to have an issue that's not a buy out of all three issues. I'll tell you. But I thought the 187 was the, probably the stronger of, of, of the three almost. Oh. You know, 188 was really good too, but. Mile. This, here's the thing. I am fucking sick and tired of the same stories being used. I'm tired of the goddamn blue ninjas. That- Shut your mouth about those blue ninjas. Those are awesome. <laughs> Oh, I thought that was the weakest part of the story. I was like, I don't need these damn blue ninjas showing up again. They they weren't around for that much, and Jinx took care of them. So they they asked her, "Do you need any help?" She's like, "No, I got it." They're for like five six pages of a twenty two page story. <laughs> All right, issue one eighty eight. Did you buy that one or not? I already. I, I one eighty eight. I freaking loved. Um, I loved it. It was really good. The cover is amazing. Some great Shannon art on that cover. This might Torpedo, Stalker, Scarlet, Gung Ho, and Beachhead. To be perfect in a raft, awesome. Yeah, to be perfectly honest with you, this might be my favorite issue since this series started. Okay, well, it's kind of like a special missions, old school special missions episode or issue, where they have a mission to go do it and they get it kind of done and almost done in the one issue. It does kind of get pick up and continue, right? In the next one, but uh, it. it it has that feel to it. Well, and here's the thing I loved about this. Remember a long time ago I said, wow, it'd be really great if they took the Red Shadows and made them a a, a true villain to for G.I. Joe to go up against. That's- well, there you go. 
<laughs> um, yeah, I love the fact that we, and here's the other thing I love about this, and I mentioned this to you before. We are not rehashing an old plot line. We are not rehashing the brainwave scanner again. We're not rehashing the blue ninjas again. This is brand new villain, brand new story, brand new direction. Um, so I like, I get that. Yeah, sure. And it has a nod to old GI Joe with it still being a new direction. Cause we had Burkhart showing up who exactly. And number one, one, exactly. So I love that. I thought that was awesome. So, um, so yeah, this was, this was just a great issue. Like you said, the art was great. The story was great. I loved it. So, all right. Uh, Last issues that we have here, uh, Star Wars, the Brian Wood Star Wars, issues one, two, and three. Oh, I'm loving this, dude. Buy them all. Buy the trade. Double dip on this shit. I agree. The only, uh, and and I won't go into a lot of wrap-up with this, but the, the only thing I did have an issue at all with was when I started reading number three, and there's that scene where Luke picks up the uh, the one chick that he's like seems to be having a romantic involvement with. And I was, yeah. I was like, did I miss an issue where they went into battle and this girl got left behind or something? Like, I didn't know what happened. I was like, or is he just telling me that, you know, Hey, they had a battle and she, and Luke went back to go pick her up because I went back to issue number two and I was like, was there something I missed that she's floating out in space right now? I think it was a training exercise. Was it? I don't know. I, yeah. Cause remember he said that, especially like uh, you deviate from, you know, the, the plan and cause they did the long way home cause they didn't want to calculate the jump to light space and go directly there in case they were being followed. But he really just wanted to have extra time to canoodle that girl. I got all that. And, but like, but said, yeah, they were on a training exercise. Read it. I was just like, wow, did I miss something? Did something, <laughs> but, uh, but no, overall it's really good. Um, like if you like star Wars at all and you haven't been able to jump into the comics because there's so much stuff, expanded universe stuff out there. This is something you do not need to read anything else. You just need to know the first star Wars movie and then you can pick this up and read it. Yeah. If you've seen a new hope, you'll, you'll dig this. It shows Leia as a badass. She crash lands on the one planet. Uh, tie fighter pilot crashes also, and she goes and blasts them in the face, uh, which was just awesome. They introduced the, uh, stealth, uh, squad, basically the shadow squad of X-wing pilots to keep, everything secret because they feel like they have a traitor in their uh, midst. And one of the pilots is a Trandoshan, which I thought was awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, and the art of, uh, that's being done, like the Darth Vader looks like a Ralph McQuarrie style Darth Vader, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, the covers are gorgeous. They're Alex Ross covers, which is just amazing. Uh, we have, uh, Han, speaking of traitors and stuff like that, Han Solo and Chewbacca uh, go to speak to an informant that Mon Mothma sends them to, and here they're, it was just a setup. That they, yeah, and then they're like, I'm not going to die here, and then they lock themselves in a bathroom. I'm not going to die here either. <laughs> exactly. I thought that was great. So um, all these things are just awesome. And I love the uh, TIE fighter pilot at the very end. Oh, when he's giving the speech, like, uh, you guys are the best of the best. Those are just ragtag pilots and you know crop dusters you know and i want to I, I want a figure now of a red tie fighter pilot <laughs> oh yeah sure me too and then last but certainly not least out of all of our comics to cover uh gi joe number one the new fred van lenty uh and steve kurth gi joe i actually would give it a buy i actually enjoyed it very much they gave it a buy as well. However, we do have a voicemail from Jonathan. We have actually have two voicemails from Jonathan. So let me go ahead and play 
both of those right now here for you. Hey guys, this is John. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you remember, but I'm the one who suggested that you read the Dust comics from Paolo Parente forever ago. Um, uh, yeah, so, sorry, not paying attention. Um, this rant is entirely G.I. Joe related, so don't do this on an episode that you're not featuring G.I. Joe. But I just read the new number one, and it sucked. I could not believe how crappy it was. Um, I like the idea of the story. It's, you know, the, the whole public face of G.I. Joe, the whole private face of G.I. Joe, but being in the military myself and having just come back from a deployment, um, I liked the gritty realism of the original IDW version of G.I. Joe. Um, and so this kind of feels like a swing of the pendulum back towards the more cartoony side. I mean, yeah, okay, so you have characters who get killed in the first issue or whatever, but the the costumes look kind of hokey. The, the the weapons, like Tunnel Rats, got this kind of hand gun that looks a lot like the, the laser pistols from the cartoon, and it just it just didn't feel it didn't feel like it, it was a continuation. It felt more like a reboot than a relaunch. Uh because it just didn't feel like there was any kind of continuity besides, you know, okay, they mentioned that Hawk is out and Nan's out, but other than that, it felt like an entirely new comic, and I wasn't really that impressed. Uh, apparently, Baroness doesn't know who Duke is, and CoverGirl, and Duke are having an affair, or something. I don't know, I just couldn't get it. Although I did, seeing the uh, Spectrum x was kind of cool for the uh, three panels before it got shot down. So I'm anxious to hear what you guys think. I personally don't know if I'm going to keep reading it because I was much more a fan of Origins and the first few issues of the, the ongoing series. So I'm curious to know what you guys think. Thanks. Later. Hey, Ryan and Chuck. This is John again. I left you a voicemail. I think it was yesterday ranting about G.I. Joe. Well, I was reading, reading uh, the new number one, and I left out a part of my rant, so I had to call back and finish the rant because I'm not going to leave something undone. Um Worms, really? The Rocketeer look-alike rejects that it, it makes no sense to me. I don't know. This it's not really almost worth a voicemail if I you guys and rant about this, but I just don't get it. I'm not so sure that I'm going to be following this new GI Joe so far. I'll give it a couple more of, uh, issues just to see, uh, but I, I'm just wondering what your guys' opinion is. I'm really looking forward to the episode where you address this because I'm just not that thrilled. All right, talk to you guys later. So uh, Jonathan's not liking G.I. Joe number one. Yeah, he, he likes the more realistic military, which was kind of what we had. So I get that, him being you know a military person himself. So I get that. This is um, more toward but, most. But, but I enjoy the aspect of this G.I. Joe because it picks up you know from the G.I. Joe that I really like, the, the cheesy, campy cartoon G.I. Joe, the Sunbow stuff. And it, it's still, it's almost like they took, in my opinion, they almost took a a perfect blend of, I don't want to say perfect, but like a really good blend of the Sunbow cartoon and the IDW continuity realistic military and kind of blended them to both of them together, which is kind of tough to do, but they kind of did it. Oh um, yeah. The only thing I had an issue with, and someone mentioned this on the forums and they totally picked up on exactly what my one problem was in this whole issue was shipwreck got his code name 
And I was like, Shipwreck always had his code name as Shipwreck. Like, he had a problem with being called Shipwreck. And I'm like, he's been called Shipwreck for all of IW continuity. Like, for- Yeah, but it was funny when he wanted to be called Badass. <laughs> but that was the only thing I had a problem with, because if this is not supposed to be a reboot, then why does Shipwreck have a problem being called Shipwreck? Because he's been called Shipwreck in previous issues before. So Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I see your point on that. It could have been a just a slight overslice or something like, you know, oversight. Sure it was. Yeah. Um, I love I, I can forgive it because it was really good. I, for, I forgave it too, but like I said, that was the one thing that stood out for me. Um, I definitely loved, uh, they made me like Polly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it, I mean, you know, robotic bird, I mean, that's kind of the, I guess, the way to do it, I guess. I, I thought that was very ingenious. I loved uh the, there was a big battle going on. The art, I thought the art was beautiful. Um, I did too. I had Quick Kick. I again a fan favorite of mine. I I'd love to see Quick Kick. So I was I was stoked for that. Duke was captured, uh, and the Baroness shows up at the very end, and Baroness looked hot as hell. Yeah, it was very nice. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. Um, I did get. I'm going to save this for uh, once all three issues come out because I think I'm going to have probably all three parts of this. But I did get the incentive cover that has the real history of G.I. Joe. Uh, this uh, cover is part one, so I'm assuming the special missions and then Cobra Files are going to be part two and part three. But it gives some really great information about G.I. Joe, so I think once I have all three parts together, maybe we'll do just like a quick G.I. Joe spotlight or history of G.I. Joe where I can kind of point out some of these bullet points that they mention, and we can talk about them a little bit. So, Okay. So, um, so that's all of them. That's all the issues. We are pretty much caught up other than a couple that we had to put to the side for right now. So, uh, geez. So I'm, I'm tired. Me too. <laughs> Give the information. Let's, uh, let's go to bed. Uh, to find us, uh, our shows as well as other information, it's starjoes.com. You can email us. It's starjoespodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. It's at starjoespodcast. You can communicate with us every day. It's the forumforgeeks.com, and you scroll down, and you'll find Star Joe's listed there. We are the largest uh, posters on the, that forum. So, yeah, uh, we, we own that bitch. So, so come, and, come and chat with every, the great community we have there. Um, you can leave us a voicemail. It's 440-941-JOES, 440-941-J-O-E-S. Leave us a voicemail, and we'll play it just like we did this episode. Um, and, uh, let's see what else is there. Uh, leave us an iTunes review, please. Uh, and we'll read those on the air as well. Uh, you can find us for free on iTunes. Uh, we are on Stitcher radio. It's a Stitcher radio app. It's a free app for your mobile devices and you can find star Joe's on there. You can make us one of your favorites. Uh, we are also part of the GeekCast radio network. You heard some commercials for some other shows on this episode. Uh, go check them out. Uh, but we are part of that community, and it's a great community. So uh, did I forget anything there, Chuck? Uh, Star Joe's, Stitcher Radio, uh, GeekCast Radio Network. Uh, no, I think we got it all. Cool. Well, with that, we'll go ahead and close by saying the Force will be with you. Because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone. Good night, everybody. You have to put the castle together. Ram Man, use your head. I just did. Not that way.
We have a prisoner. Good. Who's the prisoner? You are, because we have the power. Oh, no. Ram Man and He-Man from the Masters of the Universe collection, each sold separately. Castle Grayskull also sold separately from Mattel.